0: That's going well. It's an exciting time. You know, uh, we want to secure our future, so that's what today's about. At the end of this, I will be taking uh, not up the offering, but I'll be giving you uh, envelopes uh, that for you to pray about. And uh, by February the 18th, we want to have all those in. So uh, you know, we're believing God for the for uh, $600,000 to come in. We need. We basically. What we want to do is, as you've seen, we want to remove everything you can see out of here eventually. We might stage this, depending on how, how finances roll. We want to take out the toilets. We want to take out the stairs, everything. So, that, so this becomes one auditorium, which will comfortably seat 337 people. So the architect tells me. And we can fit 447 in if we have no back aisles and make everything through the front for uh, a special meeting like John Miller or something like that. So that's our job. We, we then want to knock that back wall out there and uh, put in a ramp and that will go down to our cafe area. It'll be able to be sealed off. And then our cafe area, we'll, we'll have uh, children's church, we'll have boardrooms, uh, we'll have, board rooms, we'll have uh, training rooms there, we'll have... Um, mother's room, cry rooms, and we'll have our wheelchair toilets and everything, and all the t- toilets out there, so that's our goal that is going to cost us uh, well, we, we've, first of all, to make that happen, we've got to borrow money uh, so we'll be probably uh, we, I haven't talked to Peter about how much we'll borrow, he's the, uh, the, he's the bank for uh, INC so he's our friend and our banker um, I, Peter said very generously, he said, whatever the church doesn't raise, he'll put in <laughs> Just, you know, if you don't put it out there, you never get anything I say. So I just putting it out there, Peter, yeah, for, the, for the bank. Uh, but no, what, what we got to do, we, we want to pay off the loan that we already have, which is about 300000 which, uh, you which know, is not much when you consider this building is worth uh, something like, I think it's, uh, what's the worth, Peter? Close to a million dollars. Yeah, so, so I mean, it, it's been an amazing um, uh, Financial uh, boom for us. I mean, when we bought this, uh, you know, it was we had ten thousand dollars in the bank. That's all we had, and we uh, took a face step, and we couldn't do it all by ourselves, so we invited National Office to come in and buy other two buildings. We bought this one, gave us a loan, and uh, we we took up. I think it was only a hundred thousand dollars to renovate this place, took up, and uh, now and now of all that, uh, we only have three hundred and thirty or three hundred thousand basically left on that but we have to raise somewhere between two to three hundred thousand to do the improvements uh, talking to David Harney who's going to do that for us uh, build it that is so so we're, we're asking you this morning to give now to give you an idea how committed we are uh, we're going to be taking up a set of offerings uh, and showing you how much is being risen uh, we've we've got a hold of of uh, but we took up an offering and a staff on Tuesday. Just an offering. And um, out of, uh, let me see, four families, we raised cash of $92,500 of oh, that 600000 So uh, I want to say thank you, staff. Unbelievable. David was giving me a, a, a lesson on raising finance. He can't be here this morning, but he will be here next week. But uh, he was uh, giving me a lesson, and, and uh, I said how much we'd already raised. He could not believe it. And, you know, so that's the generosity and the commitment that we have and what we believe in. And so uh, to help us why we want to do this in our belief, turn into the book of, uh, of Acts chapter 10. Now, Julie came up to me just before... We took the offering, she says, can I prophesy? Well, when Julie asks if she can prophesy, we don't say no. Uh, we're, it's not that we're scared of Julie. It's, it's the fact that Julie uh, has a word. It, and what kind of blew me away is she said, first off, because uh, she knows nothing what's happening. She, she used the word memorial. God has been memorial. She I'm, in fact, I'm the only person, apart from the Holy Ghost, and now Julie, who knew, knew that I was going to preach on Acts chapter 10, verse 1-8, about memorial giving. So, I mean, I mean isn't that a, a sign from God? I think that's worth a clap, don't you? I really do, yeah. I mean, we have, we have an amazing prophetic team here, we really do but let me read it to acts chapter 2 uh, 10 verse 1 there's so many passages we could read about giving and about why we should give but this is the one that i felt god wanted to sh- me to share this morning It says this there's a certain man in caesarea so the place of caesarea we'll come back to that called Cornelius, he was a centurion of what was called the italian regiment a devout man who, and one who feared God with all of his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly, in a vision, an angel Lord coming to him and saying, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said, Your prayers, and this is the key verse, Your prayers and your alms, or your giving, Your prayers and your arms have come up for a memorial before God. Your prayers and your arms have come for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. His lodging was Simon the tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those and waited on him continually. So when he explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we believe this morning for you to take your word and seed it into our hearts and lives. Lord, let the word become flesh in our life in Jesus' name. Now This is a significant passage of scripture. And this passage of scripture doesn't start here, it starts back when Jesus said to Peter. He said, Peter, he said, uh, and Peter, of course, at the time was in Caesarea, but Philippi, not Caesarea by the as he he's now. But he's in the, and let me read it to you, verse 10. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you men say that I am? The Son of God? And so they said, some say he's John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and some say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said, but who do you say? It's not what other people say. Who do you say? Who do you say I am? You know, it's not what other people say. It's what I say. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. But also say to you, you are Peter, and which means rock, Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. I want you to notice that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Notice gates, every gate is closed and locked by keys. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind or permit on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose or permit on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that Jesus was the Christ. Now, I want you to get the picture here. You know, we, we're living in Australia. We're a long way from 2,000 years in Israel. But Caesarea Philippi was a mountain. This is where they believe the transfiguration of Jesus happened about the same time. But Jesus is, is meeting them and he's, sa- and he's saying on this particular place, this Caesarea Philippi, because Caesarea is, uh, the, the, there's two cities in Israel called Caesarea. Both were built by Herod. One was built upon the mountain, the other one was built by the seaside. And but, but this particular story we're talking about is at Caesarea Philippi. And, of course, he's, when Philip, the son of Herod, took over, he called it Caesarea Philippi to distinguish between the two. But Caesarea Philippi was a famous place and a critical place to Israel. Naturally, it was a critical place cause, because out of Caesarea, there was, there was a spring that went down and formed the Jordan River and fertilized the whole valley. So the whole economy of Israel depended upon what happened on this mount here, Mount Hermon. And he says it was so famous that they dedicated it the, the, to the gods because I thought because this is a, such a fertile place, it was like the womb of the earth. In fact, Alexander the Great came to Caesarea Philippi and he built a temple there to Pan. And so this temple, and then of course the Romans took over because the Romans uh, really didn't have their own gods. They just took over the um, Greek gods when they defeated the Greeks. And so here is Jesus, and he's talking about their Greek god, Pan. who's the god of music because underneath the there's a, there's a cave there with a, with a, uh, a water in it and, th- and they could not find the depth of the water it was so good to spring. But there's noises that come out of the cave and so they, their superstition said it was Pan. You're the one who plays. You'll see him here him playing by the flute. If You see pictures of him, the, the man-goat. And so they thought this was the gate. But they also believed, and they'd sacrificed this place. They believed this was the gate of hell and so that sacrifice to the Gapain uh, so that, that the blessings would come so they built the temple here and of course the Romans here uh, built a temple and a city here and then Jesus is and Jesus standing on the same place as Peter on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. He's, he's linking these two together. But he says, upon this rock. Now, when we think of rock in the Bible, probably the first graphic place that any Israelite would think about is Jacob when he ran away from Esau, his brother. I want you notice, he ran away from Esau, his brother, and he ends up in the middle of the wilderness, and he's so tired that he puts a rock for a pillow. Now, I've had some bad pillars in my life, but not that bad. But he has a rock for a pillar, and as soon as he puts a rock in, the pillar, he falls asleep, and all of a sudden, in a dream, he sees heaven open. He sees, he sees God standing at the top of, the thro- of a ladder there, and angels descending and ascending on this throne. And, and, and Jacob is so uh, surprised and so astounded, he said, this is, he said, how awesome is this place? He's on this rock. He's got his head upon the rock. He said, How awesome. This is none other than the gate of heaven. This is Bethel, the house of God. he came to Bethel, the house of God. So the house of God becomes the gate of heaven. So we can see the comparison. He says to Peter, Upon this rock, yeah, the, yeah, link it, there's a gate to heaven, and upon this place that he's talking about here now in Caesarea. He said, this, the gates of hell shall not prevail about it. He said, what you permit shall be permitted, and what you, lo- well, what you uh, don't permit, because that's what gates do. Yeah. Yeah, we have doors and gates on our house. Uh, Lindsay doesn't like being disturbed at night. We didn't have any gates on. Dogs had come in around the rubbish, been in the middle of the night. So we have gates there, but, and we've also locked our gate at night. But that's, but the, you know, in other words, we permit things in and keep things out. Occasionally, because I get up early in the morning, I like to have a nano nap. But the worst thing about my nano nap is sleep being broken. So I lock the gate so the uh, people selling the, the uh, whatever it is, <laughs> usually solar, come knocking on the door, all the Jehovah, Witnesses, is all the Mormons, they can't get in. I don't permit them to come in. But I open the gate so the family can come in, so we can have the church events. See, that's what gates are. So the Bible talks about there's a gate of heaven and there's a gate of hell. And it says the church will become so strong, he said, upon the rock of Jesus Christ that it will smash the gates of hell. And of course, that's what exactly happens with Jesus Christ. He goes down into hell, that destroys death, and comes back with what's the first fruits. And people who have been dead walk the streets of Jerusalem. He takes him out of the very gates of hell, and and when we look at it, the most amazing thing about it, we were having this uh, discussion the other morning at prayer. We're reading the passage, and uh, the passage is we're talking about is the passage about the death of Jesus Christ. But the issue was that Herod, you know, he killed the babies. Remember Herod? Now Herod is the one who built Caesarea of Philippi and the Caesarea on the sea. Now Caesarea of Philippi, where they've got the gates of heaven, the story's being told. Now Herod was an Ephraimite, came from Eden, and he was, the, he was of the lineage of the argument between Jacob and Esau. So Jacob and Esau, Jacob, Esau, because Jacob stole the birthright, or the blessing really, he bought the birthright but stole the blessing. But so fat, powerful is the blessing that the blessing continues on. But the amazing thing is, but, so, but also is the curse. Because even though Jacob and Esau made up at the end of their life, for the next 2,000 years, the Edomites would fight against Israel. And in fact, Herod, or I should say Caiaphas, the high priest, was an Edomite, who, when John the Baptist came, God took the, was baptized by John the Baptist, not by the high priest, but by John the Baptist, because John the Baptist had the lineage of the Arianic priesthood. But the Edomite, remember, Herod was an Edomite, and he killed the people, the, uh, he tried to kill the Messiah, and it says there, when he killed him, when you read it in Matthew, it talks about, he said, Rachel will weep leading them right back to Jacob and Esau so the Edomites have been a plague to them through the centuries but right now God is about to stop this plague and this curse that's happened to Israel we don't hear about the Edomites again because he shuts that door and opens the door of heaven how awesome is this place when the door of heaven was opened on the day of Pentecost and the spirit came down and it was Peter who had the keys of the kingdom. And he's the only one that understands what's going on that day. People thought they were drunk. People didn't understand what's going on. He said, this is not, these are not drunk as you think they are. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. These people are filled with the Spirit by the prophecy Joel. So to the Jews, he opens the door of being filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, it's not enough to be a Jew by birth. It's not enough to be circumcised. If you're going to be, receive power, you must be filled with the Holy Ghost. So the power is in the spiritual film because it's the Spirit that gives life. It's not your natural lineage that ha- that's going to change anything. And then the next major turning point in the book of Acts And the most astounding thing was when Peter, this is where the story starts that I've just read, Peter, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they're having a late lunch, Peter goes up to pray, and as he's praying, he doesn't realize that somebody else is praying at 3 o'clock the same time over in Caesarea. He's in Joppa, Peter. Well, Peter's in Caesarea, I should say. In Joppa, yeah, and Caesarea. So we've got the two places. they're there, but Peter is praying, and as he's praying, he sees a vision. And God says, eat of these unclean or unkosher foods. He says, no, I won't. I never have. And God says, what I have called clean, do not call unclean. Rise and eat. And Peter, not understanding the vision, went to has lunch, and all of a sudden there's a knock on the door three days later. Three days later, something always happens in three days, doesn't it? Jesus got risen from three days. But now, three days later, the centurion comes and says, You know, God appeared to me in vision and told me to go to, to you, to one of the houses I'm you, and you would show me the way. And while Peter was speaking these words, you know, he gets filled with the Holy Ghost. And for the first time, these Jews were amazed because they heard them speak in tongues and realized, hold it, God is actually filling Gentiles, the unclean people, with the Spirit of God. And now Jews and Gentiles belong to the church. Peter had the key that was going on. He had the key to the Jewish believers and the key to the Gentile believers that salvation was for them. But what was so? What is even amazing here is, it's what Cornelius says. When the, or I should say, what the angel says, this says, "Your prayers and your arms have come up a memorial before God." Now Jesus said, "I'll give you the keys of the kingdom." In the keys of the kingdom. Is not only just prayer. Prayer unlocks doors. But so does. Memorials of giving. See, we don't think much about memorials, but this Bible is full of memorials, like Passover. God said to to Rizalites, He said uh, in Exodus twelve, "Forty's, yeah, you know, to keep the feast of Passover every year as a memorial that I saved your firstborn." When they went to the the Jordan and the Jordan was in flood. And they opened it up. They put the stones there as a memorial to remind them it was God that brought them into the promised land from Egypt. It was God that brought them for the miracles. It didn't matter how hard it had been in the wilderness. You know, finally, the blessings were here. And then, for, and then we can read it through. You know, God had told the priests to take stones on this rock. Stones, and you and put them on the ephod or the garment of the priest on the shoulders. So they had to write the name of the shoulders because because the shoulders were the, the twelve tribes of Israel. So when when the priest carried the ark, you know, it rested on the, on the shoulders of the tribes of Israel. You know, so we, the priesthood carries the presence of God. You know, as you know, we carry the presence of God. You know, when we come here to worship, how awesome is this place? This is the gate of heaven. Our worship opens up heaven, and God comes down. Prophetic words start coming. Healing flows. Oh, See, yes. so that's our expectation. No wonder the Sabbath day and the temple became the critical parts of Israel's inheritance and and what keeps them, their culturally, as the people of God. The temple. And now, of course, the temple has changed. We've become living stones built in a spiritual house. But not only did they put the, the, the stones on the shoulders, they must bear the burden of the ark. But he said, but he also made the, put the, stone, the names of Israel on, on their breastplate, which covers the heart. Because you know, we've got to bear the presence of God in our heart and on our shoulders. So and when it comes now, the pre, these people are about to bear again the presence of God. The Gentiles, you know, it's, it's, you know, we've got to we've got to tell people about God. You know, we've got a responsibility to do something. To open, we have got the keys on our shoulders. You know, God's given us the ability to make finance. God's given us ability, you know, God's blessed us with finances, God's given us the ability to believe, He's He's given, He's given us the keys to the kingdom. And you know, one of those great keys of the kingdom is giving. You know, when you give, according can you say your your arms or your giving comes up as a memorial before God. It, it's like the heart and the shoulders come together. Are you with me? You know, you know, some people, you know, that the, you know, some people think that, you know, oh, oh, it's, giving is like joining the lottery. If I give, God will bless. I have found that not to be true. It's something you've got to do from the heart. But it's something you've got to do. You know, I like what T.D. Jakes says. I, I haven't heard the message, but I just heard the uh, title of it and I got the message pretty quickly. Uh, T.D. Jakes says, God doesn't give you tables and chairs. He gives you trees. And out of trees is where you get tables and chairs. See, I think some of you say, you know, you know I'm, you're praying for tables and chairs and God's trying to give you trees, ideas to make money. When we take up an offering here, it's not just about how much money you've got in the bank, but it's, but it's ability to say, what trees, are you, you know, God, you've given me trees, the seeds you've planted and gifts you've given me that I can plant on the ground and so, I have a part-time job. Why well, I can give. I have a part-time job. I lecture one uh, day a week at Heritage College. They pay me good money for it. In fact, the, you know, and I negotiated the money that I had. I wanted to make my worthwhile. See, I, I, I took that as a blessing. See, God's given me a tree. It's called teaching. Mm-hmm. I use that tree to make tables and chairs with. Come on. Come on. Some of you are still praying for, ta- for tables and chairs, expecting it to be like you know, the casket. They'll knock on your door and say, oh, here you are. Here's your t- table and chairs. No, he's going, to, he's going to ask you to do things. Lorraine is going back teaching one day a week, so she can build. Frank's going to do look, He told me, I, I hope this is all right, i tell you, but he said he's going to go back to work one day a week. He's retired, but he says, hey, this you know, I want to give a memorial. And I'm giving a memorial, and I believe out of this know So he, he, he's found what his tree was. See, every one of you has a tree. You know, every one of you have your ability. You know, and, and God wants to take that ability and make it. Like Marnie is the great earthworm. Here's a great example of someone who's taken a tree and got a stack of tables and chairs. Remember Marty coming preaching? Marty belonged to a faith church. John Alstead, church, which is taken over now by his son, Joel. But John was a faith preacher. He's my favorite faith preacher. He's passed and gone on. But Marnie was a young Iranian refugee who was at university, got saved, and went to his church. But he got a hold of faith, and he was studying oil, which I suppose you come from the Middle East is really an interest to you, chemistry and oil, and he came up with this tree. I don't understand what the tree is because I don't understand anything about it. It's too complex for me to understand. But but all I know, he takes a product that only four places in the world manufacture, and they're huge. And he turns and he's taken that product. I remember he got. He said, "I got 99 knockbacks before I got a permission to say yes." Now that's a faith person. And he took that one idea, and he says every year, Arabs give me millions of dollars that I turn into to internet TV that wells millions of Arabs and then I go make money from Arabs so I can win Arabs back, back to Christ and he wins 100,000 a year every year at least through his internet program to Iranians see that's a tree I don't know what your tree is but God does See, you've got talent. Every single person, God gives some people ten talents, five talents, one talent. The problem is I look at, oh, you can sing, you can play the piano. I can't even sing and chin. My talent is not anything like your talent. I feel like a second-rate citizen. I will do nothing now <laughs> when it comes to worship. I'll just sit there and watch. Poor me. Now, see, one talented people don't see their talents. That's interesting. But God said to the person who had one talent, he said, take that talent away from and give it to those who have ten talents and five talents. Doesn't that seem unfair? Wouldn't you think it should be the ten talented person to give it to the one talented person? Well, no, that's not fair. That would be stupid. Why would you give it to people who are not going to do anything with it? Who are going to sit down with wishful thinking? But see, faith believes. Faith says my arms will make a difference. Faith believes in the heart and they'll do something with it. I guess today I'm asking you for what is in your for asking God to give in your heart. And then I want you to do something with it to make a commitment. We've done that as a staff. You know, I was working out before, you know, it it costs approximately every single seat in that church will three thousand dollars. That's what it costs. That's not that's still taking out a loan, that's still paying it off. But three thousand dollars now. I want to ask you to buy a seat for yourself, buy one for your wife, if you still want to have a, her to come to church, <laughs> bring it for your family, and you know what I'm gonna ask you to do? Why not buy a seat for your child that's not in the kingdom? By faith. If you've got children that are that, Go and say, God, I want here is, and I want you to take this verse and say, God, if you did it for Cornelius, you're no respecter of persons. I want you to do it for me. I want my son saved. I want my daughter saved, and a lamb for house. And I, I will not. And here is the money, and, and here you know where my mouth is. This is my commitment. I want. I want you to open the gate because this is the keys of the kingdom of heaven. But what I give and what I pray, I want you to open that up. That's a challenge. How will I get that money? Well, start asking God for trees. We get a crop every year when you plant a seed. See, it's believing and acting. Bless God. Well, what do we need to do? Very simple. You've seen the video. You're in church today. You can see how much room we've got. They say you can only fill a church. Experts say, and have said for the last 20 to 30 years, you can only fill a church 80%. After it's 80% full, people begin leaving because there's no room for them. It's a psychological thing. So we're going to be handing out right now a little brochure, which will just explain what we're... It'll have the pictures in there. It'll show from whence we've come. We started with six people, an idea. I never advertised, we just believed God. And in 13 years, we got to this. Yeah, you know, But we won't get to the next area. Because you know what we're doing? We are building a memorial just not for ourselves, but for our children's children. The reason I want to be next to the highway here and not... Out there is, I want a building that, you know this is designated for 16 stories I see a vision one day that we'll have a multi-story building here but you know every time they 190,000 people pass here every day they'll see a sign Networks Church we're still building it That's will a sign so Networks Church and a voice will speak and call them into the kingdom of God Uh, our actions create voices in the spirit Cain killed Abel but Abel's blood still cries out for the salvation and justice of this world Jesus said from the blood of Abel to now it speaks the blood, you know, our, the blood of Jesus Christ cries out for unity in the church the blood of, cry, of Jesus Christ cries out for salvation the blood of Christ cries out for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven it speaks you know what I'm glad I came from a godly home because when I was at the pub drinking and doing all the things that I shouldn't have done I had never enjoyed it because every time I sat there there's a voice in my head That said, Mum and Dad will not like that, and I love my Mum and Dad. I never enjoyed drinking because I could hear my Mum's voice. My parents didn't drink. You know, you shouldn't drink. Drinking's not good for you. No good things happen from drinking, I remember the words, and 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 it's just the voice continued to speak as though they weren't there. My mother would get up at 12 o'clock midnight and pray for me every night till I got saved. Memorials. He kept on speaking to me. Paul when Jesus appeared to Paul on the road, he said he said to him, Isn't it hard to stop the voices, to kick out the bricks the convictions? You know, you'll find that when you put a memorial in for your children, and when you put a memorial in for yourself, there'll be voices speaking to every car that goes on the highway. Your voice is speaking to your children, your grandchildren, your children. A lamb for a house. What we believe is what we receive. And the voice will speak. You know, we're not building for ourselves. We're building for generations. You know, with right now, our children are learning to hear the voice of God. Our children are learning to prophesy. They say quite amazing things sometimes. things they, they, they're, they're being taught how to see in the Spirit. We're building for the next generation as well as ourselves. That's why we want to build this next step here for the kingdom of God. I encourage you to take hold of the brochure, read the brochure, but in it you'll find an envelope. That envelope will tell you how much. You can tick the box, pray about it, find out how much God can give. If you don't have any money to give, ask God for a tree. Ask God. It doesn't matter what the seed is. All I know about Jesus, he looked at the offerings one day as they're coming in the temple. I think would be, you'd be pretty offended if someone's looking at your offerings as you're giving them in every week. But Jesus looked it up and, and, and he told his disciples, he said, and then they said, look, that woman gave a mite. Disciples were looking at it too. They said she gave a might and Jesus said, she's given all that she had. Not only did he look at her money she's giving on, he knew how much she had. It doesn't matter how much It's the kingdom of God is always, always built upon sacrifice and kept by sacrifice. Israel's culture is a culture of sacrifice. They sacrificed, made altars to God. You know, our life is built when we put a sacrifice in. You know, uh, my time is up. Let me tell you, share one last story of my father. My father decided once that he would make you know, double tithe on, the, on a, on a um, grain property of, tw- of 1,200 acres. Now, but he was going to double tithe, or I should say he wasn't going to double tithe, he was going to tithe, I should say, out of the gross income, not the net income. Then he invited me to come on the farm and work with him. Well, we took a very meagre salary, survival. The first year we made not one dollar. If my father hadn't tithed, we would have been prosperous. We would have had an income. Well, cut a long story short, we went into ministry, my father kept on the farm, and then because he were, his sons were both working, so he didn't think there's any point of keeping this, the farm so retired in his 50s, but he asked God and said, "God, what will I sell my farm for?" You know, at that stage they were going for $300 an acre, something like that, it's from memory, it was back 50 year ago, 40 year ago, no, 50, yeah, 40 year ago, and uh, which was, you know, a lot more money than it is now. And God gave him a price that was twice than any other property had ever sold. So my father put that price on. Everyone thought he was crazy. The next-door neighbor thought he was crazy. But what my father didn't know, that we had on the Darling Duns, we had red soil. People call it black soil, but it's red soil. On the red soil, it would grow half a bale of cotton to the acre, more than any other place. Only a few people knew it. The largest cotton farmer... uh, up north sold his farm and bought our farm and laser irrigated 1,200 acres of cotton and he paid double the price because he knew its value see those things have become a memorial in my life and my wife and I we have been blessed because of my father's memorial keeps speaking he talks to me you know, my father would pray. We lost our whole uh, sorghum crop, went under in the flood. And the and the sorghum heads were you know about that big, they were just caked in mud. The next door neighbor, the two next door they plowed theirs in, and my father said, I'm gonna he said, I'm gonna believe God. Even while it was still underwater, it was totally underwater, he said, I'm gonna believe God that I'll get a crop this year. My father I remember my father telling me, he said, he said, you know what, he said, that was the, uh, he said, when I went to head it, he said, I've never seen so much dust in my life as coming out of that, he said, there's this dust all over the place, he said, but you know what, that's the best crop of sorghum I ever got from that paddock. See, my father understood to believe for trees, he'd take his tree, which farming, and got a blessing, and that's become a memorial to me, to believe, Yeah when we started a church in Bundaberg, neither Lindsay and myself ever got a part-time job. We believed with not knowing one soul except six people. We went by faith and we believed in faith and we never worked a day. But God supplied all of our needs every single day for 10 years. We built a church. You know, we, you know, God will do it again. We gave, we believed, we're giving again and we're believing. It's just that simple. I'm encouraging you to follow that and see the, the glory of God and the blessings of God, because we want to praise where His presence is. Ultimately, the, when I, when we sit on that video, and thank you, Emma, for doing such a great job, Andrew, for doing a great job. But when I saw that video, you know, it, it's all about building you know, a place for His presence. Because when we started it, we said, you know, the one thing that we noticed is that people don't speak in tongues anymore people don't talk about faith anymore they talk about positive things they talk about success they, t- they sing songs but they don't worship in spirit you know, that's what we're believing for so i just want you to take these home you don't have to make a final decision till the 18th of february uh, you know it's going on so I'll ask the guys if you can hand it out right now as i pray we pray father in the name of jesus we believe right now that you'll supply every need according to riches and glory in jesus name Amen.